talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hey everybody, welcome to the very first episode of All Star Superfan Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Burke. Also hosting with me is my very good friend, Rob O'Connor. Hey Rob, how are you keeping? Hello Alan, I'm delighted to be here. It's very shiny, very new, very exciting. Yeah, uh, we've been a long time waiting to do this um, and we finally we finally gotten around to it after uh, a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of chats over the last couple of months. So uh, welcome to the podcast and... Um, I'm really looking forward to, to getting this on the road, to be honest with you. Yes, I think it's going to be much needed uh, therapy for me. I, I find, and I, I'm sure you kind of have this in common with me. Uh, I, I don't really have enough of an opportunity to talk about how much I love Superman. And I think <laughs> what the world is missing is two guys in their 30s talking about something that they loved when they were kids. I, I just don't think there's enough podcasts that do that. So it's, it's great to be able to just add that to the internet airwaves. Yeah, I think we're we're, de- we're definitely setting up a, a whole new genre of podcasts. <laughs> um, so just to give a little bit of background uh, about us first, maybe we should just talk about how we met and how we know each other and um, yes. basically where we're coming from uh, in relation to the podcast. So we've known each other for a couple of years now. Um, do you remember how we first met? I feel like I met you on the World of Geeks Facebook page. Is that right? The Facebook group. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a nice little community there of people, mostly from Ireland and the UK um, and, and mainland Europe um, for basically just, you know, general conversation about superhero topics in general. Um, and that's where we first met. That's right. We fairly soon found our love, or our mutual love for Lois and Clark, the, the New yes. Adventures of Superman. And it kind of built from there. Um, I think we actually ran into each other up in the Stella Theatre in Dublin as well, didn't we? Um, we did, yeah, that's right. They were playing Superman the movie in the Stella and we ran into each other there, which which was great. It was the, I think it was the first time I'd seen Superman the movie in an actual cinema, so so that was very exciting. It was really, really cool getting to see the movie with, with an audience and getting to see it, and, getting and, to meet you just just to explain what the Stella is, it's kind of a vintage, aesthetically speaking, it's kind of a vintage 1930s style cinema, um, you know, curtains and, and lamps and couches and very, it's aesthetically beautiful. Um, that was actually my one and only time being to the Stella was to see Superman the movie. My, I didn't even know it was, it was showing, it was actually my wife who spotted it and got us tickets when we went up that day. Amazing. And it was my first time seeing Superman the movie as well in the theatre. It blew my mind. And I've never seen any other Superman, um, well, vintage Superman movie. I've obviously seen the, the, the more recent ones. That was that was a, that was a great experience. Um, and uh, It did sort of make my heart sink a little bit when they went to play the movie and the kind of Blu-ray player logo came up on the screen with kind of like <laughs> play movie up in big sort of big digital letters. I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be an old print of the movie. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's not, not neither here here nor there it was really cool yeah like it. a like an old set uh, 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 what is the 70 mil i remember seeing the the michael keaton version the michael keaton 89 film and in, in, i think it was 70 mil there in, in one of the cinemas in dublin like something like that would have been amazing so uh, um, if you're just joining us of, uh, we are clearly very old men so get used to that sorry continue <laughs> <laughs> and and let's just explain what a cinema is to yeah. our very young viewers <laughs> um but in terms of podcasts, you, do you have much experience yourself with podcasts or hosting podcasts before? Uh, yeah, somewhat. I, I hosted Enslaved by the Bell, which was a Saved by the Bell rewatch podcast. Uh, Saved by the Bell for our younger listeners was a show Alan and I would have watched when we were kids. Uh, it's very, very interesting going back to it now. That's all I'll say. I will say the new reboot is actually really, really good, genuinely. Uh, I also host co-host a show called Dick Tracy Minute, which is a minute-by-minute analysis of the 1990 movie version of Dick Tracy. Uh, so I've kind of just kicked that one off with my good friend Parker Johnson, who we'll be talking about a lot and who will more than likely appear on this show at some stage as well. So do check that one out, especially if you like Dick Tracy. So what you're saying is you are not a fan of niche podcasts. <laughs> That's one way of putting it, yeah. Um, yeah, no, my podcasts tend to be quite niche. Uh, I've, I've heard little flickers of interest from advertisers over the years, but I'm, I'm no serial, put it that way. 
Right. Okay. Um, I have zero experience. Um, being honest with you, I hosted some college radio back in the early two thousands. Uh, Vibe FM one hundred seven point four. Shout out to the four listeners who, who we had for that. And then I appeared recently as a guest on Matt Truex's uh, Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman, an episode we did recently about the uh, season three episode Tempest. Anyone? That um, that was, by the way, sorry to cut across you. That was an excellent episode, and really, really hats off. I had such good fun listening to that. A big smile on my face, and hats off to Matt. Uh, that's a really, really great podcast. Yeah, him and uh, Ryan Albertson do a great job. You know, it's such a, a niche podcast, Lois and Clark, it's a very small fan base, and I was thrilled to get asked to go on it. And it was a fantastic experience, and it kind of lit a fire with me that I'd said, you know what, I'd really like to try this uh, myself. And, and knowing you and your interest in the character, and I was like, look, this is something we should definitely give it a shot. So maybe we should talk a little bit about what this podcast is going to be. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, I think it's very important to say that Superman has shaped our lives in a way maybe a little bit more than most people in that the character has had an impact on both of our chosen professions. So I'll let you take that away first and then I'll jump in afterwards. Um, well, uh, I work as a mild-mannered reporter who fights crime <laughs> in his spare time. <laughs> no, uh, I'm a police officer. And I, I, I spoke on, on Lois and Clark about an experience I had where basically I witnessed a crime uh, take place, a minor crime, when I was a, a teenager. And after all the years of reading the books and watching the movies and the, the whole spectrum of, of superhero media that, that I used to consume back then, uh, when the moment came down to it, I, I didn't have the necessary qualities to, to kind of stand up and do the right thing. I kind of balked at the time. Um, and that kind of stuck with me. And I was kind of like, you know, I don't want to be this person who reads the books, watches the movies, you know, uh, loves these characters, but then doesn't really have what it takes to, to stand up when it, when it, mm. time comes to be counted. Um, and I gave it some long, hard thought there when I was kind of 16, 17 years of age. And then I decided to become a police officer. Um, and as I, as I said to Matt, it was kind of a situation where I thought, you know, I was going to jump in at the deep end. And I was going to basically have to, to step up to the challenge and challenge myself. And basically, that's what I've been doing for the last 14, 14 15 years this September, believe it or not. Amazing. Uh, I, joined, I joined quite young at 21. Um, and a lot of that is down to Superman. You know, it's, it's down of all the, the heroes. I'm, I am a big DC fan. Um, Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, um, Marvel, more so the MCU than the, than the books themselves. But, you know, Superman definitely has had a huge impact on my life. Um, it's some of my earliest memories are, are of watching those old Christopher Reeve movies, growing up with it over the course of my life. And, yeah, I, I've met my wife now, who's a police officer. We have a daughter as a result of me joining the, the Irish Police Service in Cardiff-Shiacona. So I, I owe a lot to um, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster and what they came up with on that, store, that summer's night back in 1936, 1937. Um, so I'm I'm I, I owe a great deal to, to to the Superman character and to the legacy and the mythology of, of Superman. Amazing. Well, my uh, origin story is a little bit less uh, heroic and sweeping and dramatic than that. I have a degree <laughs> in journalism, and uh, you know, if you were to ask me, you know, why do you have a degree in journalism, Rob? You know, I I could say, oh well, uh, you know, I was always interested in current affairs. I was always interested in politics. Neither of those things are true. I always thought it looked like a really cool job and uh, yeah. that's why I have a degree in journalism. Now, my, my, my path went in a slightly different direction. I work in TV now, uh, mainly unscripted kind of um, factual formats, some reality shows. You know, to speak to some of the stuff Alan has said as well, like definitely Superman's kind of set of beliefs that, you know, that there is a right and a wrong in the universe and sometimes Perhaps not always, but sometimes it isn't a very difficult distinction to make what's right and what's wrong. It is something I try yeah. to live my life by. I, I don't always succeed. I don't claim to be anyone as virtuous or as patient as Clark Kent. I think sometimes I have a lot more in common with Lois Lane and her kind of fieriness. I think I, I see a lot more of <laughs> myself in Lois Lane sometimes than I do in Superman, but um, it's definitely... The, the traits he embodies I admire um, yeah and, and tell me when you first went into journalism was it with an aim to kind of go into the, the newspaper side of things or was it always television that you were kind of 
Um, I think I was always keen to tell stories. And I think while I haven't, okay. I, I'm not involved in newspapers now, I'm, I am very much involved in, in finding people's stories and shining a light on them. And I have gotten an opportunity to do that in a way that is, you know, I, I've, I've given people a voice who maybe were voiceless prior to that. And that's the, that's, that's, the- that's the most kind of pretentious thing I can say about the work I do. Um, you know, I know reality TV sometimes has, a tendency to you know just be about you know good-looking people who aren't wearing any clothes but you know sometimes it's about real people and real lives and real stories that need to be told and i have gotten an opportunity to do a lot of that that i'm very proud of and and, and just to touch on that briefly i mean i have i have personal experience with that from uh, my wife and i were going through some fertility issues yes. a couple of years ago we appeared on an, an irish television um, an episode of an irish television show um, and you know the work that 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 production company did, and and the work that they do, highlighting people's stories, and you know filming the the births of their children, you know, it's fantastic work. You know that I wouldn't really have appreciated before that because, like you said, you know you 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 lump it all kind of in together, but it's you know there's some fantastic work being done out there, and that's great. And it's great that you know you hear all these stories. Uh, you know we've all read the stories about you know the 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 astronaut who has the com badge from Star Trek when they go up into the rocket in space, and you know the you know the the, the Vulcan salutes in space mm. at the at the International Space Station stuff. So it's great to see that a character like Superman really has affected people's lives. You don't hear about that as much, yeah. um, you know, and the, the positive effect that it has on people and that he has had on people and that the writers over the years have had on people. Um, and that's what we're hoping to do here is kind of pay tribute to that legacy yeah, and to, the, to those writers and, and, and to everything that's come over the last 80 plus years, you know. Absolutely. So that, that sort of dovetails into the aims of the podcast. Yeah, um, well... We, we spoke about doing a podcast for a while um, and we kind of always knew that we were going to touch on something Superman related and we couldn't really decide wh- exactly what aspect of the 80 year mythology we would focus on. And then we kind of decided that we would focus pretty much on all of it and do a, a podcast that discusses um, the many different incarnations of Superman, um, the different books, movies, TV shows. Um, episodes of TV shows, possibly, you know, Lois and Clark, Superboy, Smallville. And basically, we, we weren't going to restrict ourselves to a very um, tight compartment that we were going to allow ourselves to kind of talk about what we wanted to talk about in relation to the character and um, what we like, what we don't like, uh, why we like it, why we don't like it. And and basically, it's 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 uh, it's going to be quite varied, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I, I think as well, like there are a lot of sort of very popular versions of Superman. They get talked about a lot. I, I think it'll be really interesting to talk about some of the ones that are out there that maybe aren't spoken about quite as much or are starting to sort of wane in popularity a little bit. Like I think the George Reeves show and also the Superman radio show from the 40s, like there's some really, really interesting stuff that both of those did. Some of it hasn't obviously hasn't aged well at all, but I think... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. You can see the sort of early embryos of what Superman became in later versions. And I think it's important to take a look back at those. And also, there's so, so many issues of comics over the years that nobody talks about. Even, you know, comics from the as recently as the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. Like there's some great, great Superman comics that people have not read. And it'd be it's going to be so great to be able to talk about them and maybe shine a light on them a little bit. Yeah, and the, and the most interesting thing I think about all those different incarnations that have happened over the last 80 years is every single one of them has left their mark on the overall legacy in some way, shape or form. I mean, like you said there, that 40s radio show, which, to be honest, I've never listened to. Oh, but it's great. Like, it's yeah, genuinely, I, I, it's great. And I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. But I mean, I I, I believe that was the first appearance of, of, of Kryptonite as, as Superman's weakness. First as appearance as of can... Kryptonite, first appearance of Jimmy Olsen. Uh, it's good, yeah. good few little examples. I, I think, now I might be terribly, terribly wrong about this. I think Jonathan and Martha Kent, no, no, that, that can't be true. No, scratch that. I was going to say I think they first appeared in the radio show, but I don't think that's right. But we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I I remember in the in Action Comics number one they were kind of nameless strangers basically who found him and dropped him off at an orphanage and it's it it's really been a tapestry over the last eighty years and you know you pick you know writers pick what they like and and drop what they don't like mm. and you know change things around and you know it's it's fluid it's not it, there's not a, an absolute set continuity throughout everything obviously so 
um, it, it, it'll be good to touch on, like you said, those things that are a little bit more vague that people don't know about, as well as the popular stuff. Like, we, oh, we will touch upon the popular stuff, you know. Um, you know, it, we'd be lying, I think, if if we said that we won't have biases ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned earlier on, we are men in our 30s. We're not, you know, teenagers. We're not in our early 20s. Um, we grew up with certain versions of the character that we personally prefer. Yes. Um, Let's get into that. We, <laughs> okay so starting with yourself what um what do you prefer what what what's what do you like what's the cream of the crop for you the year was 1993 <laughs> <laughs> i specifically remember the very first thing i ever saw that had anything to do with superman it was an ad on bbc2 for quote unquote the new adventures of superman uh it looked really really cool at that point okay look straight up I'm a big Batman fan. Batman is my number one. I'm a huge, huge Batman fan. I've got a Batman tattoo. Big deal. Everyone's a huge Batman fan. It's not a big deal. Uh, I, I definitely knew Batman first. I watched the Adam West show. I watched the animated series. You know, etc., etc. Whatever. That's like a million 90s kids have that exact same experience with Batman. It's not a big deal. First exposure to Superman was that ad for the new adventures of Superman, which was the UK slash Irish name for Lois and Clark the new adventure Superman uh, I saw that when I was three and I thought wow this looks so great and I remember going to bed that night and saying to my mum mum did you know Superman has a red cape and my mum said you're gonna have a red bum if you don't go to bed right now <laughs> I specifically remember that moment from whatever it is 27 years ago um, so yeah I quickly became a huge huge fan of that show um, and for you know three or four years that's that's all i knew superman to be I, I didn't i wasn't aware of christopher eve or anything like that i remember my dad showing me superman the movie uh you know a couple of years later and thinking no this is different this isn't what i know um then obviously the animated series came along and with the animated series came the toys for the animated series which i actually kind of that the, the toys from that series mean a little bit more to me than the series itself we'll get into that and then kind of as I got older, then I went back and watched all the movies and I thought, oh, wow, I love these movies. Smallville came along. I was a huge, huge Smallville fan, especially for the first couple of years. Um, and then kind of around that time, I was kind of picking comics up here and there. Like for anyone listening, comics were hard to come by in Ireland. Um, I'd say they were even harder yeah. for for you, Alan, because, I, you know, yeah. I lived in Dublin, so... Uh, yeah. the, the big comic shop was just a little trip into town so it was about convincing my dad to drive me out to town on a Saturday which isn't very pleasant to do if you want to be stuck in traffic for an hour and a half that's a yeah. great way to I do it I didn't even realise that comic book shops were a thing I think until my friends started going to college in Dublin Yeah, and I came up and I discovered Forbidden Planet and then Sub City and, and the rest of them um, so yeah that's, that's definitely because you know to paint a picture we're talking pre-internet here. We're yeah. talking, you know. Well, like no, not, not pre-internet, but like definitely not but internet. Early days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like to be a fan, you had to work hard to be a fan back then. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, it, you, you had to make it your business. You were like, okay, I, I want to seek this out and I want to find out everything. Like it wasn't like it is now where, you know, there's Wikipedia or, you know, like back then it was like, yeah. okay, hold on a second. In this version of Superman, you know, this happens. And in this version, why is that different? Like you, you didn't even... Yeah. You, like trying to grasp the idea that there are different incarnations and they're not all connected like that was a huge kind of thing for me to yeah. grapple as a kid whereas now you know there's multiple versions of things going on at the same time you know it's 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 just a totally different ball game now um but yeah so around that time i was kind of picking up comics here and there and then by the time you kind of get into the mid 2000s then i was full-fledged you know super fan the internet was really kicking off then. I was getting into internet forums. It's where I met my best friend Parker. Um, and then, you know, you have Superman Returns and, you know, other movies that came later on. And, and here we are. So that's kind of my brief history of the universe and Superman. Yeah. And, and to be fair, um, I mean, there's a couple of years between us, but not many. And my 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 history is pretty much the same. Um I grew up uh, first and foremost with the Christopher Reeve movies um, and uh, primarily Superman 2 and Superman 3, um, which very I used to rent. Re- very different movies, uh, which I used to rent religiously um, from the local video store, a video shop in Tremorne County, Waterford, where I'm from. Um, 
so Superman 2, Superman 3, I wore those tapes out. And then later on, not a huge amount of time later on, but a, a short time later, I discovered Superman the movie. So Superman the movie was something that kind of came after 2 and 3 for me. And then eventually Superman 4, which... In the words of Christopher Reeve, the less said about Superman 4, the better. Well, um, now, now, hold on a second there, though. When you saw Superman <laughs> 4 as a child, what was, your, what was your take on it back then? I know that I didn't like it as much as I liked the rest. Really? Um, I know, yeah. To be, and I, I'm, This is probably going to be really blasphemous, but I think my favourite Superman movie at the time Superman 2 was was great because obviously there was the fight you know you had the you know Superman got to punch people and and throw Zod around and throw coke signs and catch falling TV antennas that were going to smash babies and all that kind of stuff Um, but I really if you ask me and even to this day if you're asking about the Christopher Reeve movies the one I probably watched the most was probably Superman 3 yeah um, I, f- and funnily it, enough I actually think it's the one I've seen the most as well yeah and it is the most rewatchable one I think in a lot of aspects especially for young kids uh, yeah. a friend of mine asked me recently he was like I mean, he was thinking of introducing his son to the Superman movies and he was wondering between one and two and I was kind of thinking well his son is six or seven I was kind of thinking you know Superman 3 is probably the most watchable for a small kid you know it's got humor in it it's got plenty of action set pieces in it Um, and it's probably the one movie that is the most like the comics of that time Um, it's 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 it's, it's an adventure in itself um, and it's the most you know, Silver Age kind of Absolutely. comic book movie that exists. And I, I loved that movie. I loved those movies. And then like yourself, and as I spoke on Lois and Clark with Matt there a few weeks ago, um, Lois and Clark uh, finding out at the dinner table at my grandmother's house from an aunt that Lois and Clark had aired during the week and did I see it and not quite understanding what she was talking about. Because as far as I was concerned, Christopher Reeve was Superman mm. uh, there was one universe there was four movies at the time I didn't really understand that there was comic books or you know radio shows from the past or any of that kind of stuff um, and then sitting down to watch a repeat of Lois and Clark with my father and just being mesmerised you know when that uh, it's a very vivid memory that I have of, of when that um, pilot intro started mm of the X coming up on the screen, that different uh, intro than they had on the the later episodes. Yeah. Um, and seeing a different Clark Kent get off a bus, seeing a different Lois Lane, uh, a different Jimmy Olsen, a different Perry White, and just, I, I don't remember asking myself a lot of questions of, well, how does this fit into the Christopher Reeve movies? I just loved it. I loved it from the get-go. Yeah. And that was me hooked for four years. Um, and the show obviously, you know, had peaks and valleys. Um, but 25 years later, I'm still a huge fan of, of Lois and Clark. And, that's a fan base that that's a very niche fan base now in 2021 um, for that for that particular incarnation. But I think Lois and Clark is or Lois and Clark is one of the best uh, incarnations of Superman in terms of casting and in terms of um, their Perry White, their 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 um, Lex Luthor. There's so much love about that show and I kind of fawned over it uh, with Matt a couple of weeks ago on, on his podcast and I'll definitely fawn over it again here um, because it had a huge influence on me growing up and I love it to this day and rewatch it regularly. I am going to echo everything you just said. I'm going to disagree with you on one small point. I actually think Lois and Clark is the best version of Superman. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, like I, I genuinely, I think it's better than the Christopher Reeve movies. I think Christopher Reeve is the best actor who will ever play superman and he he just yeah. embodies everything about the character and there will never be a better superman actor than christopher reeve and certainly not dean kane <laughs> but we'll get to that yeah. but i i we'll think i think the world they create in that show is the is the most cohesive and the most like it feels like a lived-in world that could exist and i think the version yeah. of clark kent they make in that show feels like a real guy feels like your friend feels like a character you could aspire to be but also a character that you can be which yeah. you know as, as puzzled warner brothers executives for 40 years but yes they did it perfectly in this show from the 90s and yeah. what i want to say most importantly you know we're doing the show in our 30s now i sat down to watch the pilot episode with my girlfriend two weeks ago um after you appeared on that podcast i i you know i was like yeah you know what you know that new show is about to start it'd be nice to kind of watch the old show while we're watching the new show and I sat down to watch it thinking, 
you know, this is, I, I haven't, I probably hadn't seen the pilot in 10 years. And I remember thinking, you know, there's going to be stuff in this that isn't going to hold up and it's going to, we're going to have a laugh and it's going to be a bit of fun. And yeah. I sat there going, no, this is still great. <laughs> like, yeah. just, just do yeah. it like this. Why? Like, this is perfect. Like there's, you know, and the show, as you said, it, it takes a tumble and it kind of slides into a formula very quickly into the second season, I think. And yeah, I think. I, I think they never really fully exploited how good it could have been, but I think that pilot and a lot of the first season and a lot of the second season, like that's how you do Superman. And it's like, yeah. why can we not figure this out, everybody? Like, this is how you do it. And that pilot on its own it could be a film. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if, you took, if you took that pilot, that script of a pilot, and you put, you know, whatever the monetary would be now, 100, 200 million dollars into it, I mean, that's a great story. Yeah, like, I mean, it is, you know, it, it's missing your, you know, $200 million tent poem. It's missing a big action yeah. piece, you know, yeah. for a movie. But, like, in every other respect, it's all there. And it's, 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 it's a show, like, Lois and Clark, like you said, like I said, has peaks and valleys. We know that there are flaws with it. Um, but, like, you and, said, we're, and we're not lessons. just talking about the special effects, by the way. Obviously, the special yeah, effects. Yeah, there is. There's, there's, and looking back, you know, some of the some of the the dialogue or some of the the, the representations and stuff are, are are dated, and you can kind of go, oh, you know, you wouldn't get away with that nowadays yeah. or whatever. But you know, the essence of it really holds up. Um, you know, and even like we say about the special effects for '90s television, they're not bad. They're not. They're not bad. And you know what? We were watching. Um and I, I want to get back to the Reeve movies in a moment, but we were watching a yeah. season two episode last week, or last night, I should say. And, um, you know, in season two, they really upped the action. They put a lot more Superman into it. And, uh, and you know, straight away, you're, you're, you're seeing Superman a lot more in the show. And there's a scene yeah. where he has to stop a train from crashing. And, like, you see him fly into the train tunnel. He flies after the train. Everybody turns and looks as Superman zooms past. He flies up in front of the train. The train crashes into him. And then finally he manages to push the train and stop the train. I'm like, this exact sequence happens in Superman 4. A movie that came out a couple of years prior to this. But this is much, much better. And it looks much, much better. Yeah, and, and we'll uh, we'll get to the point where we, where we speak about Superman Four and the issues that that production had and that that that. I just that I whole... just want to say, by the way, sorry to interrupt, Alan. Yeah, no, go ahead. I uh, just to go back very quickly to the Reeve movies. I've also seen Superman Three probably the most times. I know it's bad, and I love it anyway. And yeah, same. The same applies for Superman Four. I know it's bad. I know it's really bad, but I I also love it anyway. I think it is very unfair to lump Superman 3 in with Superman 4. Uh, a lot of people do that. And it is, like, when it comes to the Christopher Reeve movies, um, you know, obviously the whole thing with Richard Donner. Richard Donner was the director for the first movie, shot 80% of the second movie, got fired by the Salkines because he was going over budget and he was, you know, they didn't get on well. Mm. Uh, brought in Richard Lester, who had already been kind of brought in previously to kind of, you know, work as a go-between. He filmed extra scenes, finished the film. Everything I don't like about Superman 2 is Richard Lester's stuff, mm -hmm. you know, the, the slapstick. Yeah. He, he was handed the reins for Superman 3. Everything was slapstick, basically. Um, and then Superman 4 was sold to, to Canon and they cut the budget and it went down the toilet. Um, but Superman 3, I am a firm believer that with a couple of very small edits, it could be an excellent, excellent Superman movie. Um I, there is issues with it, mm. with Richard Pryor. There is issues with it, obviously, that it's more a Superman movie, you know, starring Richard Pryor featuring Superman, which which is a problem. Um, but overall, I think that it, it could definitely be brought up a couple of notches with with some minor with some minor tweaks. I think I, oh, I I'm of two minds on this. First of all, I do like Superman three. I should say that. My ultimate problem with it is just that it doesn't really, it, its goals are very, it's it set the bar very low in terms of what it was trying to achieve. And I think yeah. it shows, like the stakes are not very high in Superman 3. 
Like none yeah. none of the the problems presented by the villains are a job for Superman in that movie. Like it's all very low key. And like when you think of other big genre movies that were happening at the time, like Star Wars was you know yeah. had been and gone. Like even James Bond, like the, some of the biggest James Bond movies ever came out around that time. Like James Bond went to space a couple of years before that. Like then you know you had yeah. Octopussy like and Raiders of the Lost Ark was it like some of the biggest most celebrated adventure movies of all time were coming out around that time and they were just like okay we've just had these two big epic Superman movies what's next for the Man of Steel I've got it Richard Pryor <laughs> like yeah it just the, yeah. the goals of the movie were very very low and it just you, it you didn't to... really have any ambition and like the special effects are really really good in it but it's just like well they don't really they don't really do anything with it, you know. And I think there's a lot of a lot of good in it. I think the battle with evil Superman is great. I actually really like a lot of the Richard Pryor stuff. I, I, yeah, same. I don't know why, and I love Robert Vaughn in the movie. I just think it's kind of a nothing movie, and I don't begrudge people who really, really dislike it. But on the other hand, Superman four shot for the sun, the moon, and the stars, even though it had no business doing so. Yeah, yeah, and yet you have to remember in Superman three. There's an entire sequence. There's an entire action sequence that we don't see. But what we do see is Richard Pryor describing the action sequence yes, yeah. to other characters. It's almost um, like if you could transplant like the budget and you know the occasion that Superman three had with Superman, like give Superman 4's budget to Superman three <laughs> and vice versa, <laughs> and you'd probably have you know much more adequately budgeted movies. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so to get back to where were we? Oh yeah, to get back to um, my just my my history with the character and stuff. Sorry, um, we totally went off track there. No, Sorry. you're fine. But that's what that's what we want. We want to be able to dip into yeah. things like that and talk and discuss them and and go through them. And you know that's that's exactly what the podcast is is, is going to be all about. Um, so Lois and Clark loved it. Um, Batman the animated series. I was kind of 12, 13, 14 kind of when that came out i was a huge fan of or, uh, superman the animated series i was a huge fan of batman the animated series and then in 96 superman the animated series came out i was kind of 12 13 years of age and i i watched it but i wasn't fanatical about it even though it's a perfectly fine uh, representation of the character superman um, the animated series and, yeah um yeah i'd like to well, you I'd, disagree I'd, I'd like to say a few things about that no no just keep going we'll come back to it Okay, we'll stick a pin in that. Yeah. Uh, then, obviously, uh, Smallville, Smallville hit um, in 2001, 2002 here in Ireland. And I was, a, a, like you said there, a fan of that. Uh, more so for the first couple of years. I, 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 my, my interest waned in that as, as it continued on. I, I thought it was quite bloated and kind of stretched out. Yeah. Um, it would have been a great series if it had lasted three, four, mm-hmm. you know, five seasons maybe. Um, but I was a big fan of that while it aired for the first couple of years. And then I was in the Garda College and the, the equivalent of the police academy when um, Superman Returns came out, which I couldn't have been more excited for or more disappointed by. Yep. <laughs> but um, when it came when it came out, um, yeah, I remember leaving the cinema and kind of going, oh, and this was a year after Batman Begins, which I loved at the time and mm-hmm. still do to this day. And then we get into the the more recent DC EU Snyder stuff, um, and you know, look, we've kind of skirted around it. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I I completely understand that people like it and that some people love it. Um, it's it's in my opinion not the representation or the portrayal of the character that I knew growing up, or that I um, enjoyed or that influenced me growing up, but it's. It, I can completely understand why people do like it and you know like we're not going to dump all over yeah. it um, there there are things that I do like uh, about uh, some of the movies and that and, and we will be discussing that and we'll probably have someone on who, who people on who are big fans of it and we'll, we'll discuss it with them um, and I, I completely respect anybody who, who loves it Any anybody who enjoys a film it's completely subjective and if that's this, the, the, the version that you love you know I can't wait to hear why yeah uh, and how how it's affected you, um, but it hasn't really been for me over the last couple of years. I have to I have to say. Um, and besides that, then getting out of that media, I got into the comics later in life. To be honest with you, um, started collecting kind of vintage comics. You know, went back to things like the the death of Superman, 
the John Byrne series from the mid 80s yeah. um, you know post crisis stuff um, got the crisis on Infinite Earths saga read that and I've just kind of been collecting them all Star Superman obviously which is this podcast's name is a, is a, is a homage to yeah. um, and some of the great titles that have come over the, the last couple of years um, but I'd be a big tentpole kind of Superman guy I, I'm not a, a, a weekly or monthly subscriber to Superman Superman books at the moment if I know that there's something big happening I'll check it out Yeah, and I, I've, I've kind of collected over the years original copies of all those books the, the, the all-star Superman books and the, the different the different um, tentpole tentpole sagas that, I, that I've really enjoyed so yeah, that's that's basically my 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 background with it. Actually, just sorry, just to quickly talk a little bit more about comics because I know I mentioned I was sort of picking comics up here and there in in, mm. in sort of the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, I'm a huge Superman comics guy as well. I just want to point that out. I've like I one of the first kind of comics or graphic novels I ever owned was uh, it was called the Archive Edition of Action Comics back then in the nineties, which was a big hardback collection of like the original original. Uh, Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster. Um, wow. It was like the first year of Action Comics. And being honest, like some of them don't really hold up, but there's some really, really interesting stories in there. Um, and then following on from that, like I read a lot of back issues as a kid. I would have been reading a lot of stuff from kind of the 70s and the 80s that you'd pick up at like yeah. secondhand bookshops and stuff like that. And um, I did read, I didn't read The Death of Superman as a kid because I never came around it, but I did find World Without a Superman which is yes. kind of the, the sort of chapter two of that whole trilogy. Um, yes. And in many ways, that's actually the more interesting story because it, it, it's less about just a big fight with Doomsday. It's more about how does the world actually cope afterwards. Um, yes. and, and that was a really, really interesting comic to read as a kid because you're, you're really drawn into the whole world of Metropolis that they were really building at that time. Um, and yeah, look, again, we are guys in our 30s. I'm going to say this is... I'm going to say another bold claim uh, that shows what age I am. I think the kind of um, John Byrne era leading up into the death of, and then a couple of years after the death of, right up until they get married, and then even a couple of years after that, I think that sort of, we're going to say 10 or 11 year stretch, I would comfortably call that the best sort of chunk of Superman comics there's ever been. Just just yes. as a continuing as a continuing world that they were building on every week or every month, I think that's the strongest, like Superman, the the sort of universe has been in the comics. Now, obviously, there are individual kind of graphic novels that have come, to, like All-Star Superman is the best Superman storyline ever. And it's it's like it's like the Christopher Reeve so of good. Superman comics. It's, it's, so it's, it's the best one ever, and it's always going to be the best one ever, and that's fine. But like as a world that was kind of continuously building and evolving and changing, and they're introducing characters and story arcs and storylines i think that sort of 10 or 15 year era where we go from john byrne to dan jurgens to louise simonson to um john bogdanove and there's a good few other sort of writers and artists that were roger stern was writing at that time all those kind of things coming together just worked really 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 well and i think it was the most impactful era of superman comics like yeah. you have to remember before john byrne Lex Luthor was a mad scientist who yeah. hated Superman because he lost his hair because and 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 you know that's something. I mean, I I I presume people who listen to the podcast will know kind of the 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 history of of the books and that, but a lot of people probably won't. Oh and, and, no, and definitely, just, people have yeah. forgotten all that. Like, and and just to just to give it some perspective, like when when I was a small child, I remember having having like annuals uh, of kind of the Silver Age Superman. Um, you know, where he marries mermaids and he does all sorts of wacky stuff because obviously the, the comic code had been brought in and there was a lot of stuff, especially for Batman, that they had to kind of make it a lot more kid friendly and that. Um, I hadn't read the original Joe Shuster, Jerry Siegel stuff from the 30s and 40s. I had some of those reprints of the, the Silver Age Superman. But obviously what happened was everything became very convoluted and the DC decided to hit the reset button. Um, with George Perez and Marv Wolfman back in 1985 and they came up with the idea basically that all the different variations exist in a multiverse and they were going to destroy this multiverse and reset everything as a great jumping off point for people to kind of start at square one with all these characters again in, in 1985 which is what they did and the version of Superman was the John Byrne John Byrne was the writer who was kind of given Superman issue one you know blank slate let's go yeah 
and he retro retro well not retroactively but he kind of trimmed a lot of the fat um changed a lot of things for the better in, in my book um in, in terms of especially like you said there lex luther mad scientist now billionaire 1980s Re, uh, reagan era industrial capitalist you yeah. know and I, I i just want to point out as well like a lot of people will will kind of dismiss the gene hackman version of lex luther a lot i actually think yeah. if you read those original john byrne comics he is 100% putting Gene Hackman into the comics. Like with, yeah. like even in those early issues, Lex still kind of has a little bit of hair and stuff. And he makes these kind of sarcastic asides and stuff like that. And like, yeah. he's basically lifting Gene Hackman from those movies. And he's going, what if instead of living underground in a sewer, this guy lived in a penthouse and ran the world? And that's yeah. that's what Lex Luthor is. And, and we're lucky enough over the last 30, 40 years that we've had a lot of different, a lot of great actors portray Lex Luthor over over those years between Michael Rosenbaum, now John Cryer. Yes. Um, you know, we can say Kevin Spacey or that if you liked his interpretation. Jesse um, Eisenberg. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. Um, uh, but up to that point, I mean, there, there hadn't been any definitive versions of any of these characters really. Obviously, you had the, the George Reeves version from the 50s of, of Superman himself and Clark Kent, but there was no, I can't, remember who played Lex Luthor in that series perhaps he, he, perhaps he, he wasn't he wasn't in that series wasn't Lex Luthor the closest they came to Lex Luthor in that series was there was an episode called Crime Wave where Superman basically declares war on organized crime in Metropolis he hated organized right. crime in that show and he, he basically declares war on organized crime and there's like a criminal kingpin type guy who's always in the shadows and okay. you never I don't think you ever find out his name and um, people like fans like to pretend that oh well maybe that was Lex Luthor and like head canon that it was Lex Luthor uh, basically the, in the in the Kirk Allen serials uh, Atom yeah. Man versus Superman Lex Luthor was in that and he was basically as we knew him in the Silver Age he was bald he hated Superman he was a mad scientist and there wasn't really much to him other than that yeah so like I mean Gene Hackman was was for a long time and to a lot of people still is to me, it's John Shea from Lois and Clark. Um, he's my favourite of all the versions so far. Uh, John Cryer is doing a fantastic job on the CW at the moment. Yeah. Michael Rosebaum was a fantastic Lex Luthor on Smallville. But uh, for me, I just really liked John Shea's portrayal as yeah. that version of Lex Luthor. I, I kind of go back and forth, right? So traditionally, I would have always said John Shea. Um, I kind of go back and forth now between John Shea and Gene Hackman just because oh, really? I think now, now that I'm an adult... And like a lot, a lot of people would say growing up, they'd be like, oh, a big boy, you know, Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman's Lex, like he's, he's not a very menacing villain. He's not, you know, he, he's just a buffoon and he's just this tacky, awkwardly dressed con man. And now that I'm an adult and I'm seeing the actual villains who are out there in the world controlling everything we do. Uh, maybe even a couple of people who might have become presidents of a certain country that we know. Like, those people exist. Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor is real. And like, you know, yeah. when I see him in that movie, I'm like, these are the villains you face in real life. They're, they're, they don't look like, you know, that they're, they're not these cool, suave people like John Shea. They're people who look like buffoons. And you're like, how did that guy get to where he is now? And like and you to, you, looking you like that, that, talking like that, dismissing everyone around him. How? And I'm not. Look, I know I mentioned yeah. that about that particular person who won't be named again. It's not just him. There's so many other examples of just snarky, snide, rich people who, you know, are angry at the world, and you can't exactly put your finger on why. And they think they can control everything, and they just have this hateful energy about them. And I think Gene Hackman just embodied that a little bit more than any of the other. And, and, and that being said, I absolutely love the John Shea version. He's brilliant. That's, that's an excellent that's an excellent point about Gene. And you have to remember that that version, you can say, oh, he's kind of slapstick or whatever. He straight up murdered people in, in that movie, both on and off screen. He, he murdered the, he, the police officer. He murdered the police officer. And, and he has that, that line where he plays it completely straight. And like Superman's like, you know, is that how you get your kicks? By planning the deaths of innocent people. And he looks at him and says... No, by causing the deaths of innocent people. Yeah, like, like that's that's dark. And I think if I if I if I remember back, I, I know it was off screen, but I think the report about him stealing the, the kryptonite in Addis Ababa stated that he had they, the, that the people who had done that had, had murdered people. The Perry White says the line to Lois where he's like, "Oh, take this for example." Two or, or no, he says it to Clark. The two people break into this museum in the middle of the night, 
kill two people and what do they take a worthless piece of meteorite meteorite. but yeah that's it exactly before down to a t before we move on i just want to mention two of my favorite gene hackman moments that actually aren't in the movies at all right so there's a deleted scene in lex Luthor's lair where he's playing the piano and he's like just devilishly like bond villain playing the piano and miss tessmacher comes up to him and puts her arms around him and she goes like lex why do i love you like i don't i don't understand and he just he just responds he goes life with me is never dull and i'm like that is perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah and then there's another moment in superman 4 uh again this is a deleted scene it's not in the movie um he basically what he does is he goes to the um the un and he says world peace is just a communist plot and he convinces them that basically the communists have <laughs> have come up with this whole conspiracy to get rid of all the nukes and you know it's all a communist thing but then he goes to the kremlin and he says well of course comrades as we all know world peace is just a capitalist plot <laughs> i'm like these are villains that actually like people do that in real life so it's like when people yeah. dismiss gene hackman now i'm like no that that guy exists you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't have any much time for anybody who who, who completely dismissed um, Gene Hackman's version because it, you know it, it was the definitive definitive version for many many years. And you know, it's forty. That movie is what forty two, forty three years old now. Yeah. And uh, the first one, obviously. Um, and you know, a lot of that film. That's it's a beautiful film, but. A lot of it still stands up today, even though, you yeah. know, it is old and it, it is it is of its time. But Gene Hackman, I don't think anybody could criticize that portrayal of, of that character. I know it's a different incarnation than we're used to now. But wow, like he was he was at the top of his game back in that era after, you know, the French Connection and those movies. And he really brought something to that to that part and took it seriously as well, I think. Um, I've never seen him interviewed about it. Um, yeah, he, he, he to, does speak on the DVD extras, I think, where he kind of says that, you know, he was taking something that, for all intents and purposes, was a cartoon character, and he was, you know, just mm. taking it in a different direction. I will say though, like I do understand people's misgivings with Gene Hackman. Like, you know, for all intents and purposes, Lex Luthor had a completely different history in the comics, and they basically dismissed all that and just went, "Let's make yeah. let, let's make a, a charming, sarcastic Bond villain and have him be Lex Luthor." Yeah, and I totally understand yeah. that people kind of it doesn't really gel for everybody, and also. You know, the modern version we've spoken about where he's this billionaire who has, you know, all these legitimate enterprises, but he's doing all these shady things in the background. Like that's resonated with so many people in such a way that, you know, it is difficult to go back to this other version where he's just this, you know, sniveling con man living underground, coming up with these land schemes. Like it it doesn't gel for everybody. And it's one of the reasons why I think, you know, while you and I still love Superman the movie so much, there is a generation of fans who kind of go, well, you know, I didn't grow up with that movie and it's a yeah. it's a little old for me and it's difficult for me to go back and you know i know and that's a perfectly valid point and even watching it now i have a, a young daughter now and I've, I've had it on a little bit in the background and stuff and kind of preparing for this i've, I've watched some of the movies again over the last couple of weeks and, and that and um you know it is old i mean the movie is it's pushing 50 years old yeah. you know um so you know you have to take those criticisms on, criticisms on board like when i was watching as a kid it was a 15 20 year old film um now it's it's a 43 the first one is a 43 year old movie um and it can it's like me with the james bond films and i know you're a big james bond fan but i struggle with the earlier ones with the with the very early ones with the sean connery ones again he is a fantastic james bond but just the you know the driving scenes and you know it's clearly staged or whatever on on a on a set and that and it kind of pulls me out of it and i can completely understand why someone today or a teenager or someone in their 20s could sit down and watch the superman the movie or superman 2 or whichever one it is and kind of go oh yeah this is a bit this is a bit dad mm. for me it's a bit you know it's a bit too too much or too too far removed and i can completely understand that and a lot of it for myself is nostalgia driven as well there's a huge nostalgia element to watching those films um, and the, the the memories I have of watching them with certain people, and you know, growing up watching them, and and that. Um, but you definitely can't dismiss those 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 early films out, out of hand, especially no. especially the first two. You know, there's you know, there's in my mind to date, it's the best portrayal of of him by an actor is is obviously the Christopher Reeve films, and as the films, the live action films have progressed. 
I would still have to go back to one and two of those movies as being my favourite oh, of yeah, the live definitely. action films to date, you know. Um, and a lot of people are probably going to roll their eyes at that and kind of go, you know, Man of Steel and, and, and Superman Returns. Um, I was very disappointed with Superman Returns. I thought it was going to be more than what it was. And in terms of Kevin Spacey's um, Lex Luthor, you know, I don't think people were willing to accept that kind of Gene Hackman portrayal 30 years later. Um, I think well, everything had kind of moved, moved past that a bit. I have a couple of things to say about that, Alan. <laughs> uh, and I think this dovetails into sort of where we're at now. So I think Superman Returns gets blamed a lot for being, okay, well, it's a continuation of the Reeve movies and that's why it failed because, you know, the Reeve movies were so long ago and this is a new movie and people just don't like that anymore and they want to see something different. Yeah. I think superman returns was a really bad version of you know like w- w- i i don't understand this notion that it's the same world as the reeve movies it doesn't it feels completely different to those movies like yeah. first of all the aesthetic is this really dour bronzy sepia toned thing and yeah like i i get what they were going for they were trying to evoke the sort of 1940s max fleischer sort of you know this could be taking place in any year it's not necessarily 2006 it's not necessarily 1938 it's kind of it, it's sort of this magical every time. It yeah, it's kind of, kind of like the Batman the Animated Series accomplished, that kind of timelessness. I can understand they, that, they, yeah. They don't pull it off, though. And the other thing they don't pull off is making Superman an interesting character. Superman is dull as dishwater in that movie. And dull, yeah. like he's, he's written, like, it's full of Deus Ex Machina, where it's basically, you know, the movie starts with this text screen saying, oh, yeah, by the way, Superman's been missing for five years. Um... But I guess he's back now. And it's just like it never invites you into the world. It, it has very, very little charm. I think like I feel very differently about Brandon Routh now in the kind of modern DC stuff he does. I think he was a little bit miscast for that movie. I also think they gave him very little to do. Like every second line he had was kind of an homage to a Christopher Reeve line. Like the costume, I, I know some people liked it. I think it looks ridiculous. I don't think Brian Singer's. Yeah, he did it. Yeah. I, I don't think Brian Singer's gift is designing superhero costumes because if you look at like three out of the four superhero movies he's made, the costumes look stupid in them. Like yeah. I, I and Kevin Spacey, as you said, I don't think the problem was that they went with the Gene Hackman version. I think they just wrote him in a really strange way like there's multiple scenes in superman returns where dogs get eaten and we see them feasting on each other's bones like why is that in a superman movie <laughs> like yeah. and then and then suddenly people are blaming it for being like the reeve movies that never happens in the reeve movies <laughs> no it, it definitely lacked um a good script for yeah it, it, it definitely lacked the magic of the christopher reeve films um, the biggest crime that it committed, I think, like you said earlier on, was that it was dull. It was boring. Um, I remember from... The third I'm act so is just like you could fall asleep in the third act of that movie. And Yeah, I remember being so disappointed. I remember going with a, a friend of mine, Ty, to see it in the cinema. I was so excited to see it. And my heart kind of... I knew something was wrong after the opening credits. Um like you said, you had the text opening, you saw the planet explode, uh, it was nicely done or whatever. And then what, you know, the credits for the Superman, the movie and the, the subsequent uh, film, Superman 2, were so epic in their scale. And, you know, even to this day when you watch it, it's, wow, you know, it shoots at you, you know, on, on that screen and the, the music comes up and the theme is there. I thought the Superman Returns credits looked like the opening credits to Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> I actually like the credits. <laughs> Come on, anyway. You know, I just, I was like, oh, I don't feel it. I, I, I just didn't feel it. And then we got into, you know, we went into the scene with the with the, with the Noel Neal, obviously, who's a legacy casting, you know, the, the original Lois Lane from the George Reeves um, TV series. And and Lex is swindling her out of her money, and it kind of moves on. I, what I, a strange way I, to open the movie! Like, why why yeah. do that? Like, you open on this rainstorm and this old woman dying, and like, this is not how you start your fun Superman movie. I'm sorry. Like, and and we'll definitely have a Superman Returns yeah. episode yeah. where where we go into it in 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 in, in detail. And again, we're not going to like. There, there are things that I do like. Um, I actually liked Brandon Routh back then. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. he he was cast. He looked like Chris. I understand that he was cast. Um, 
little, maybe a little bit inexperienced as an actor at the time to to carry such a heavy. But then again, so was Christopher Reeve. Reeve, I suppose he was Juilliard trained, but he he was inexperienced really when it came to theatrical films at the time as well. Um, I can you know Brandon Routh was never really an issue for me, and I liked his the way he kind of towed the line with Clark Kent as well. He wasn't quite the Christopher Reeve version, but then he wasn't really the Dean Cain version either. He was this kind of in between nerdy kind of a instead of you know a goofball or whatever um but my biggest issue with that with that film um and the casting of kate bosworth which you know she looked like she was 14 years of age and it was just dull it was just a dull movie i thought yeah um, i mean i i think ultimately and and this is i i i again i don't want to go into a big slagging session about the snyder movies but i i think it's true of both of the modern sort of superman eras like people kind of point to all these reasons as to why you know well this element didn't work because of this and this element didn't work because of that and maybe that person was wrong and you know maybe this thing doesn't really work in them ultimately what it comes down to is they both had really rubbish scripts and they're not charming movies and like it's not hard to well look i'm not saying it's not hard to make a charming movie but like marvel have done 22 of them i'm sorry like there's three really really charming you know nolan batman movies that are you know people say they're really dour there are also lots of fun there's loads of like really funny moments in those movies michael kane yeah. has some really really great jokes in all three of those movies like there's plenty of moments of joy and levity and fun in those batman movies the same is true of like pretty much every marvel movie i'm not saying that you know you need to make a superman movie exactly like a marvel movie i'm just saying yeah. it's perfectly possible like captain america never should have worked thor never should have worked like iron man like captain like yeah captain america is a is a fantastic is a fantastic uh, comparison for, for 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 the superman character and how that worked in those movies like they really nailed it like i did not give a shit to forgive my french about captain america when that movie came out and he's my favorite avenger now there's still so much that they build into those stories that they pace them so well like there, there's moments of levity there's moments of seriousness there's moments of mythology and then there's moments of kind of I don't want to say winking at the camera, but like there's yeah. there's moments where they kind of go, look, like this is all a bit of fun, you know, yeah. and that's what makes those movies work so well. And like that's what made the old Superman movies work so well is like they, they were able to toe the line between like these really heavy like Jor-El monologues about Krypton with like, oh, say, Jim, what's with the bad outfit? Like, you know, yeah. just have a bit of charm in your movie. Like it's not against the law and it's. It's it's what Superman comics are all about. And I, I don't have an issue with the Superman world being a darker, more modern world to, to a certain extent. To a certain extent. To a certain extent. But the character needs to be the character. I mean, he needs to be who he is. And I, I, I'm fully aware that he, he changes and, and, and evolves over time. But I don't need to see another evil Superman or another bitter Superman or another angry Superman. I have no problem if you wanted to create an Injustice movie franchise and and go down that route. But God, just give us the Superman that we want to see. That well, look, I say we that I would like to see is is a modern interpretation of a hopeful Superman. Uh, you know, a, a good guy. Um, and I know Henry Cavill plays him as as a good guy, but it's. There's just something off there with for and, me and personally I, that I just can't connect with it. And just just on that, and I really don't want to go down a big Snyder road here, but what I will say is, like, you know, a lot of detractors to the Snyder movies will say, oh, well, he just doesn't understand Superman. I actually think Zack Snyder does understand Superman. I think Henry Cavill understands Superman a great deal. I th- yeah, I th- I'd agree with that. I, I think the problem is the types of movies Zack Snyder makes are just fundamentally not for Superman. Like the the, yeah. the the movies he made and the, the way he makes movies, like the pace at which his stories unfold, it just doesn't lend itself to a character like that, and it just yeah, it just feels off. The world doesn't feel real. You're not invited into it, and I totally understand and respect that they resonate with a lot of people. But that's fundamentally the problem for me. Is when I was sitting down watching Man of Steel, I was like, I can't breathe right now, and I really yeah. really want to like this, and I really really want to be engaged but I'm not because I can't breathe right now. And it was the yeah. exact same problem with Batman versus Superman. We're recording this the day the Snyder Cut is coming out. I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to watch it because I know that it means a lot to a lot of people. I know a lot of people fought very hard to get it to come out, and that's great, but it's not for me. And 
Um, I I'll, I'll disagree with you there a little bit. I I will watch it um, because I don't think there's there's any version of Superman that I won't watch um, or want to 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 see with my own eyes. Um, and I understand. I completely understand where you're coming from. You've, you've seen a couple of the films. You know they're not for you. Um, and you know how much more time you're going to give to them. You know before, but. Um, Again, I, I'm not looking to dump all over Snyder and the Snyder films. They're they're beautiful films. I just it, they're just not for me. Uh, I just find them bleak and dull and a little bit soulless. Um, but again, I can completely understand why so many people have connected with them, and I would I can't wait to to talk to some fans yeah. and have some people on who are huge proponents of, of that franchise and can explain exactly what they like about it, what they love about it, how it's affected them. Um, and I, you know, it's, you know, this, this, the Snyder Cut, you know, it's a big campaign over the last couple of years. Like you said, tonight is the night that it's released on HBO Max over in the, over in the United States. You know, it's big accomplishment. Oh, it's, it's out that, here today as well, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Um, but it's a big accomplishment, you know, to, to get, I'd love to see, you know the original version of Superman four, yeah, uh, for instance, with the with, with Nuclear Man one, and you know, it, it sets a great precedent precedence that these kind of things can be done. I would have issues about how that campaign was kind of ran. Yeah, me too. Um, by fans who I think kind of took it a little bit too seriously. It's a film at the end of the, at the end of the day, and, and we should uh, preface that by saying some fans, like a lot, yeah, a lot, some fans. A lot of those guys did a lot of great work, and they did some very very positive. They raised a lot of money. Absolutely. For there are some bad eggs, but you know what? There's a lot of bad eggs who don't like those movies either. Maybe I'm one of them. Who knows? That's fantastic. That's a great point. A great point. I think the point of what I'm getting at is not that um, I think all hope is lost. I think there is yet to be a really great Superman movie for the modern era. I do think it's possible, though. And I think we're starting to kind of head in that direction a little bit. I want to say as well that the TV show at the moment, Superman and Lois, uh, it's a little bit rough around the edges, but I'm really, really enjoying it so far. And I think the version of Superman they have in that is a lot closer to the the one I would have grown up with. And the story they're telling in that is is new and interesting. And it is informed a little bit by the comics. They've done some of this stuff over the last 10 years. Um, and I'm really, really yeah. excited to see where that goes. Yeah, and I have to say, um, in terms of Snyder and all that, I, I really like Henry Cavill. Really, really enjoy his performance. I think he's really taken it seriously. I think he's taken the Richard Donner um, philosophy of verisimilitude very seriously. Um, and like that, I'm glad you brought up Superman and Lois. I've, I've only watched the first episode so far, and I absolutely loved it. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to, to catching the rest of those episodes as they come out here. They're a little bit delayed here in Europe. Maybe when the season's over, we could we might do a, a retrospective of the whole season. Um, and I think we'll do that with Lois and Clark as well down the road. We'll probably do a, an entire season retrospective instead of doing individual episodes every week. Um, we could touch on our favourite episodes as we go on and different shows as well, Superboy, that kind of thing. So I really can't wait to uh, to launch into this. Absolutely. Um, so look, I, I hope that we've kind of given a taste of, of what the podcast is going to be like the, the, we're going to talk about more um, as as the episodes go on it's going to be we're thinking a monthly a monthly podcast there thereabouts there thereabouts and we're going to uh, focus um, more acutely on on, on on different things every episode um, but like that you know we'll, we'll probably branch out like we did today um, but I think the next episode that we're going to do do you have any ideas for that one Rob? yeah so I think um just to kind of make it nice and broad uh, so that we're all sort of on an even playing field in terms of us, the hosts, and you, the listeners. Uh, what I'd like to really start to do would be to focus on our favorite Superman storylines from the comics. Because I think it's all it's, it's all well and good talking about, you know, movies from 40 years ago and TV shows from 30 years ago that maybe some of our younger listeners are less familiar with. But I think it would be really, really great to talk about the comics because I feel like everybody's a little bit more on an on an even playing field where, where, where they kind of come in. So, and there's, you know, there's so many great, um, you know, graphic novels and, you know, that there's story arcs, but then there's also just the, the graphic novels that you can pick up. And there's some really, really great ones. And the, the addition then of like, you have the DC universe app. I know it's it not officially out here yet. I know you don't have it. I have it. I use that like nearly every day now to read comics and catch up on different bits and pieces. Uh, so so it's really really great and then also you know you have your comic shops and your digital comics and everything else so there's so much to kind of dig into there 
like this all began with the books. Yeah. In 1930, in 1938, it began with the comic books. So I think it's a great place to, to launch. I, um, we haven't decided. So I'll have to give it some thought before I decide what titles um, we're going to speak about. But I'm really looking forward to kind of delving into to some of my favorite books and um, maybe talking about the background to some of them. Um, you already stated, and I have a funny feeling that um, all star will We'd be remiss if, if All-Star wasn't included, considering the name of the podcast is mm-hmm. All-Star Superfan, but that would more than likely be on, on my picks, at least. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to delving into the to the Superman legacy and the mythology in, in, in detail. And, you know, obviously, we're um, by the time this airs, we'll be available on social media platforms, on Facebook and on Instagram. We'll be at All-Star Superfan. Um, on Twitter, we'll be at All-Star Superpod. Um, so reach out to us and, and you know send us messages of what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like us to cover. Um, you know your views on on items we've discussed in the different episodes. Um, so we have a we'll have the Facebook page up and running by the time this airs, and um, you you'll be able to, to to contact us through those. Absolutely, yeah. Really looking forward to uh, kicking you know all of this off. I want to talk about games at some point. We can definitely talk about games. I have a lot to say yes. about games. Me too. Um, so. Yeah, so look, we'll talk to you all soon. Um, Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time um, on All-Star Superfan. Thank you very much. We're always around. I'm going to change that. No, I don't like that. Maybe next week. That was good. I liked it. <laughs> you can. What, what, what does it? Dean says. Uh, oh, anytime you need us, just look up. Yeah, that'll be. Just look up. That's good. I like that. You should use that. Uh, That's anytime good. Anytime you need us, just look us up. Nobody will get that. <laughs>